What's going on, everybody? This is Steven, and I'm here with Heath, and this is the Tillman's Corner Sports Talk Podcast. We want to thank everybody for joining us, uh, whether you're listening tonight or later on in the week. Uh, we appreciate all of y'all listening. If you will, don't forget to subscribe to our channel. That way, you can be alerted whenever we put out a new episode. It would really help us out. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you have any questions or comments or anything you'd like to hear us talk about or fun facts or whatever it might be, you can also email us at TillmansCornerSportsTalk at gmail.com. So don't forget to do that. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We have a whole lot. Hopefully we have enough time. A lot's happened the past week. Uh, what do we got going on today, Heath? What's up, man? Uh, we got a lot going on. We're going to be hitting on the NFL Combine, talking about a bunch of different players, whoever stood out to us, some Bama guys, local guys. Hitting on Alabama softball. I don't mean you – we may not know a lot about this topic, but somebody asked us to talk about it. So we're going to hit it. We're going to do our best. And then we're going to finish up with Alabama basketball, the disappointment that is Alabama basketball. They're starting the SEC tournament this week, so hopefully they can get some wins. But first, we want to give a shout-out to a local player. He plays at base, Baker High School. His name is LeBaron Phylon. My sister-in-law, she's a teacher there named Stephanie. She actually sent me this link. This kid is a 6'4 sophomore guard, and he is an absolute animal. He's got a bunch of D1 offers. He's got an offer from Auburn, Alabama, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and I believe Oklahoma State. And like I said, he's only a sophomore, which is which is phenomenal. Yeah. I, he, he could be honestly one of the best guys that I can think of from around here since the Marcus Cousins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, – like you said, when, when Steph – told you and you told me about him i looked him up i was like man this kid you know i, I was thinking he's maybe a junior or senior but then i was like no nah, he's a he's a sophomore so he's gonna he's gonna be a stud he's already a stud but he's still got you know two more years of of high school and then it sounds like he'll but when it's all said and done he'll have his pick of anywhere in the country to go play so um that's exciting exciting for him uh now let's move on to our hot topics we got you know Last week we had a hot topic with Aaron Rodgers, but this week we have multiple because there's so much going on. We're going to start off with the MLB lockout. Yeah, like you said, there's just so much going on, and that's the MLB is a big one. I know being down here, everybody loves baseball. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, a lot of people down here love the Atlanta Braves. Uh, being from Mobile, Atlanta's not really close, but it's the closest really team that's good. And they won the World Series last year. I know uh, I got a shirt. Everybody down here was pretty hyped. And it, it's just sad. It's sad where MLB is at. You know, that the can't come to an agreement. So that yeah. all the fans around the world, with everything that's going on in the world right now, you know, sports is kind of an outlet for a lot of people. And the fact that these guys can't get their act together and come up with some kind of agreement. They're already having to cancel games. They canceled the first two series of the season already. And it says right here, I mean, if they don't get a deal done by Tuesday, they're going to have to cancel more. And that that's just tragic for really the whole sports world, but especially if you're if you love the MLB. Oh yeah, it is. And it's always kind of like not just in sports, it's always about what? It's always money. Money. Um, you know, the players want more money. The owners don't want to give it to them. And I'm, I'm sure there's more detail and, and there is more detail into it that, but it's pretty much what it boils down to. Um, and it, I think it's hard for you and I and a lot of people to kind of that that are just fans or maybe just just want to watch it. It's like, man, y'all y'all are making millions. Y'all figure it out. It's not that you know. It's like you know, you can say, oh, players, you're already getting paid millions. You don't need more. But then you can also say, owners, 
y'all are making billions, so give them more just so we can get on with it. Just somebody figure something out. Yeah, um, I mean, like you said, the, the everyday average American right now, what are, what is everybody struggling with? Everybody's talking about gas prices, right? Well, I'm oh, worried yeah. gas is up to $4, and these guys are complaining whether, oh, you know, we're making millions, but we want to make more. I mean, you know, I understand that's their job, and they want to get paid for what they do. I totally support that. I mean, if I was in their position, I probably would feel the same way. But it's just frustrating with everything that's going on in the world that it's like that. And we're hey, on the subject of money, I, our next hot topic is Calvin Ridley, an Alabama guy, oh, just boy. an absolute bonehead. He got suspended for the whole 2022 season coming up because he placed a $1,500 gambling bet on this, the NFL games. This is what stood out to me even more. Um, and obviously, it was a bonehead move. He should be punished. So when I when I saw the article or I saw the, um, you know, breaking news, ESPN or whoever put it out that he got suspended, I'm thinking, oh, he was like fixing games. You know, he was like while he was playing, he was throwing a game or maybe trying to throw a game or maybe tipping off somebody on a game plan or something, you know, something like that to get suspended for a whole year. Then the day goes along, the week goes along. And then it's like you said, it's $1,500, $1,500. Now I, he should get suspended. Obviously he should get punished. But what's crazy to me is he's getting suspended for a year for placing a $1,500 bet. So he's going to lose out on what billions of dollars. Whereas if you look at the NFL's domestic violence um, policy, it's six games. So domestic violence, if you get charged, arrested, yada, yada, six games, placing a $1,500 bet one whole year. Now, again, not saying that he should have done it. He should get uh, punished. But to me, the, the, the what he has to go through and the punishment doesn't line up with the crime. Yeah, if you're looking at the NFL for your moral compass of life, you've already failed because, like you said, what they really do don't make any sense. But Calvin Ridley, I, I just – I don't understand it. I got it wrote down here. He $100 bet that cost him $11 million. Yeah. That's what – he's having to forfeit $11 million next year because he played a $1,500 bet. And at the time, he was taking a leave of ab- leave of absence because he was dealing with mental health. <laughs> he said he couldn't be around the game of football. Yeah. But if you can't be around the game of football, why are you betting $1,500 on a game? You're a millionaire. Why are you betting $1,500? It just makes absolutely no sense yeah. to me. No. And I hope the guy – a good business decision at all, for sure. No, absolutely not. No. Um, so, I, we're going – staying on the same, you know, it seems like all of these are almost about money. The next topic is Aaron Rodgers. Last week we talked about him. What is, uh, he did his cleanse and all this stuff. This week or today, actually, we got the breaking news. It is announced that he is uh, going to stay with the Packers. Yeah, he's staying with the Packers. You know, it, it, today it came out that he's signing a four-year, $200 million deal, and about $153 million of it is guaranteed. Yep. But then yep. you sent me an article a little later where he tweeted out that, you know, he is staying with the Packers, but they haven't agreed to the terms and everything. But if if what is being reported is true, that he did sign the four-year, $200 million deal, it's the <laughs> richest deal, I think the most money per year in NFL history, which Aaron Rodgers – 
So he's the back-to-back MVP. You know, a lot of people are saying, hopefully this can bring him a Super Bowl. He's only won one Super Bowl. He's got, I think, four MVPs. He's tied for the league, I think, with Peyton Manning. And hopefully this brings him an MVP. I've always liked Aaron Rodgers, honestly. I know your brother Chase is a huge fan. But I've always liked him, and hopefully it does well for them. I know they're keeping Devontae Adams over there. So, hopefully everything works out for the Packers. Yeah, hopefully. You know, and I don't I don't know their cap space. Hopefully that uh, this deal doesn't, like, take up so much money that they can't afford to get them some, you know, other receivers. <laughs> so, uh, we'll see about that. Uh, more quarterback news. If, if, if you're a quarterback or a football fan in general and just follow you, you probably already know some of this stuff. The Seattle Seahawks, you know, they had a horrible season. There was uh, talks about Russell Wilson uh, wanting a trade and all this stuff, and it appears he he might have gotten it pending his approval, which is the crazy part. He has to approve of this, but it is being reported that the Seahawks have a gr- have agreed to trade Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and I absolutely love this for the Denver Broncos. If you're a Denver Broncos fan, you have to be excited. They've had terrible quarterback play ever since Peyton Manning left. And Russell Wilson, good skill players. Skill players, they're super. They got a loaded team. Their defense is good. Their offensive skill players good. They were missing that quarterback, and to me, Russell Wilson is a top, you know, seven quarterback. The guy's phenomenal. I think he's got. I don't. I'm not. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure he has the best winning percentage as a quarterback since he's been in the NFL. All the guy does is win. They had a terrible season last year, like you said, with the Seahawks, and the Broncos swung and made a huge deal. They offered. They gave the Seahawks two first-round picks. They gave them two second-round picks. They gave up – who's the quarterback? Drew Locke. They gave up Drew Locke, right, the tight end, Noah Fant, and then Shelby Harris, who's a defensive end. They just kind of threw him in there. But I think it's a big-time win for the Denver Broncos, and I hope I hope he's going to do well. I, I want to see if it follows that trend. Tom Brady left the Patriots the next year. He wins the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford gets traded the next year. He wins the Super Bowl. What if it happens for Russell Wilson? He gets traded – Next year they win a Super Bowl. I'm really excited for the NFL season coming up. Oh yeah, I think I think it's a great, you know, um, addition by the Broncos because, like we said, you know, they have a great defense. Had a, had a great defense last year, but obviously in today's NFL you got to score points. Um, but they have the skill players. You know, they have a really good. I want to say he's a rookie running back last year, and I want to say his name is Javante Williams. Yeah, that dude's a beast. Um, but you know they have him, Jerry Judy, uh, Cortland Sutton. Uh, I think Tan- Patrick, the other receiver. They have weapons. They just need a quarterback, and it, it definitely appears that uh, that they got him for sure. Um, so moving along to our first, uh, the, the main topic, as he mentioned in the preview, we're going to be talking about the NFL Combine. NFL Combine was this past week. Had players all over the country. Um, I was able to watch some of it. I know you were. Some, so who are some guys that we're going to be talking about? Well, we're going to talk about some of the local guys first. I know if you're around here, you may know some of these names. You may not have a clue who these guys are. But the first guy we're going to hit on is uh, Roger McCreary. He went to Auburn. He was a cornerback. And I, I love Roger McCreary. I'm telling you, uh, they held uh, – during the Iron Bowl this year, he was a huge reason why Alabama's offense struggled so much. The guy is a lockdown corner, and he's great. At the uh, – let's see. At the combine, he ran a 4-5. And right here I got he's projected to be a late first round, early second round. I think he's going to be a starter in the NFL. The guy's super talented. He went to Williamson High School right here in Mobile, Alabama. And I'm really excited for the guy, and I hope he does well. 
moving forward. Yeah, I think he'll do good. Um, next guy, Velas. I'm, I'm saying it right, Velas or Bayless? Bayless Jones. Bayless Jones. He was from Saraland High School, right here. Went to originally USC and ended up transferring to Tennessee, the Tennessee Volunteers. Had a pretty good career. Uh, goes to the combine. You know, runs a four three one forty. Has good, you know, he he does everything really well. Um, I think, you know, obviously it seems like everybody looks for speed, um, but he can do other things. You know, he can return kicks, can return punts, obviously can line up at receiver. Um, I think, it, like with anybody, depending on the situation they get in, but I think he's going to have, uh, you know, uh, a pretty good career. I think he'll have a, you know, pretty decent rookie year, depending on where he goes. That I think he can, if not start right away, uh, can definitely contribute to a, an NFL team for sure as a rookie. Absolutely. The guy's got speed to kill. Like you said, he ran a 4-3-1 in the 40-yard dash at the combine. And I've seen reports that he had a great senior bowl, and he's projected to be kind of a mid-round pick. And he could be a very good pickup for somebody. If You know, these guys that are small, they're fast. They could be really good slot guys. He could be a return guy. And I think that's where he's going to really make his money. If he could get somewhere to like a New England Patriots – or somewhere like that, they really know how to utilize the slot receiver. It could be big for him. And the next guy is a guy that I absolutely love. He's a local guy. He went to South Alabama, Jalen Tolbert. And I heard some stuff about him on the radio, and it kind of with Roger McCreary as well, the local guy. They said Jalen Tolbert, I think he played three sports in high school. I know he played football against my brother, Hunter. But he played three sports in uh, in high school. And, these, and they said when he got to South, they didn't really know what to expect much out of him because he – you know, he never got to focus on one sport. But when right. he really got to focus and hone in on football, the guy excelled. I think he's projected to be a fourth-round pick. He ran a 4-4-9 to 40. That's okay. But I think he could be the steal of the draft because he's a oh, big yeah. physical sure. guy. He's a real deep threat. And, I, I mean, I always – I never went to any South games, but I've seen him play a couple times. And I kept up with his stats, and he was a home run hitter. I mean, the guy averaged like 18, 19 yards a catch which is beast in uh, college. And I, I think the future is really bright for Jalen Tolbert. I can't wait to watch him in the NFL and see what he does for the local guy. Oh, yeah, I think he's going to be good. Um, like you said, I, you know, everybody can get better. He has some things to work on. But um, kind of like Valus Jones, I think he he might not start as a rookie, but I think he definitely can contribute. And he might start in the right situation. Um, like you said, big guy. Um, <clears throat> big guy can run. And, you know, it's hard to beat that. A big guy that's got some some size that can go up and get it, but that can also you know, have some speed to take it the distance when he get the, gets the ball in his hands. Um, so that we, we're going to talk about some Alabama players. Obviously, we got to talk about some Alabama stuff here on the podcast. Uh, you know, I think Alabama had five guys, maybe four or five guys at the, uh, at the combine. Evan Neal, the guy who, you know, left tackle, he's projected right now, I believe, in a lot of drafts to go number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, did not participate in any drills. I, I believe he did, like, the meetings with the teams and stuff, but he didn't participate at all in any of the drills. He's going to save all that for his pro day. Yeah, like you said, Evan Neal, he's – and a lot of things, he's projected to be the number one pick. I know he's going with the guy from NC State, the offensive tackle. They're kind of going back and forth for the number one pick. I'm not quite sure why he didn't really do any drills at the uh, combine. I'm not really sure. But he's waiting for his pro day. And I think Evan Neal's a freak. I mean, I know everybody's probably seen the video of him doing the one-legged, you know, 
squats and he's landing on the yeah i don't even know what it is the things you jump on whatever i don't know it's like a chair basically he's landing on the chair with his legs split i mean the guy's a six six like three what 30 or whatever and he's yeah, doing he's, single leg squats jumps. he's I a mean, freak he's really a freak of nature and the next guy on the list is b-rob i was super disappointed in b-rob well i i take that back you know the number he ran his first 40 i think it was like a 466 and i'm like man that that is super slow and yeah. I, I, I always thought it was a little quicker than that, but I think the official number came back to like four, five, three, which is you know about what I expected from B. Rob. Yeah, I, I thought he would um, run a four or five, like you said. Whenever we were texting, when, we, when the number came out, he ran a, a four six. I was like, man, that's I, I just. I think I told Justin he looked like he ran a little slower than he would in a game. That his, you know his game speeds a little faster. And then later on, when I checked, I guess they they changed it to. A four five three. So you know, I think Henry ran maybe Derrick Henry ran a four five. Um, so in the in that same mold, he's a big back. Not saying he's going to be the next Derrick Henry, but definitely a, a big back like Henry, same speed. Um, now this next guy definitely ran faster than maybe some people thought. I wasn't surprised honestly. Christian Harris. Uh, if you watch Alabama or even even if you're not an Alabama fan, just watch some of their games. You probably saw this guy flying all over the field. Uh, number eight linebacker, Christian Harris, ran a 4-4-4-40 as a linebacker at, what, 230 pounds? Yeah, Christian Harris. I mean, like you said, if you watch the games, Christian Harris, there is really nothing that he cannot do on the football field physically gifted he can fly he's strong he's fast he can hit the thing with christian harris is not about his physical tools to me it's about mental is he in the right spot is he second guessing himself yeah out of the backfield to me that's what it is with him like you said crazy numbers he ran the 444 at the 40 he's projected to be a late first early second i think if you can get him in the second round that's an absolute steal i think he's going to be a starter like i said i think when he came to Bama, he was always a safety in high school, and they kind of moved him to linebacker. So yeah. he's only got three years. He was a three-year starter. He's only got three years on the job. He's just going to continue to grow and improve, and I'm super excited to see what he does in the NFL. I think he could be a big-time player. And the next guy on the list is your buddy, Slade Bolden. Oh, man, Slade Bolden. And, man, Slade uh, – I feel bad. I, I say I feel bad. I mean, look at me. I'm sitting on my chair doing a podcast, and he's out there at the NFL Combine. That's awesome. That's every kid's dream, right? He ran a four six six forty. You know, a lot of things I'm seeing, they're not projecting him to get drafted. You know, in New England Patriots, they make a living getting guys like Slade Bolton. They don't yep. draft them. They just sign them out of, a, you know, the rookie free agency, and they bring him in. You know, he'll probably – look, I'm janking the guy. He'll probably end up being a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he could be, to be honest, because they everybody kept comparing him to to Wes Welker and Wes Welker and Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, and I thought I think Wes Welker's faster than him. But then I looked it up, and Wes Welker, I think you know he ran a four six, I want to say. Um, so yeah, I mean, I th- everyone's saying if he doesn't go to the Patriots, it will be a disappointment to everybody because, like you said, that's what they love. They love getting these little. Little guys, and I think he can have a pretty in the right situation, you know, with a team. He's not going to be a you know a, 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 the number one receiver. He's going to be a number two. I think he's a good third, fourth receiver that can liable that can move the sticks. He's not going to take it the distance, obviously, judging by his forty. But 
he'll run, he'll get you, uh, he'll run the right route. He'll catch the ball and he'll get what he can and he'll get you first downs. So I think he can be reliable for sure. Yeah. And I mean, and we were both talking, I know on our first podcast and we were both kind of confused. We we're like, man, why is Slade coming out? I thought he would come back to Bama. And I saw a, a quote he made, you know, cause somebody asked him like a reporter asked him like, why, why are you going to the draft? Why didn't you go back to Bama? I mean, I think the guy had like two or three degrees and he said he was just burnt out on school and it was the best time of any to, you know, try his look at the NFL. If it don't work, Hey, the guy's got three degrees and, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. And the next guy we're talking about, he's also a local guy. Jalen Armour Davis, he went to yep. St. Paul's. He absolutely could fly. He ran a 4.3840 in the 40 yard dash, and he's projected to be a second to third round pick. Yeah, he uh, had some injuries later on in the year. I thought he had, you know, pretty good year for Alabama. He only, I think, it was his first year starting, I want to say, because, um, yeah, he has his first year starting, so didn't have a, a full season due to injuries. You know, obviously he felt he had a, a good enough season. I think he definitely has the intangibles. He's six one, so he's got the size, got the length. Obviously, he's got the speed. So I think he can surprise some people, uh, you know, in the NFL for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, and like I said, I think he'll be a starter. And just with all these guys, just these five guys we're talking about that was at the combine, there's a couple of Bama guys that wasn't there due to injuries, John Mechie yep. and Jamison Williams. They would have both been there. And I'm pretty sure uh, – what's his name? Josh Joe. Josh Joe, that's exactly it. He would have been there as well. I would have loved to have seen what Jamison Williams ran in the 40. But I think a lot of these guys are going to be successful pros. Like you said, Christian Harris – Christian Harris, Evan Neal, and probably Jalen Armour Davis are going to all probably be starters in the NFL. And as far as B. Rob, he may be a goal line back and stuff, and Slade Bolden. Yeah, maybe he'll. Yeah, like know. we said, Slade, he he almost has to go to the Patriots in order to have a good NFL. Yeah, and I could see him and Matt. Or maybe maybe Jennifer. maybe the Raiders because Josh McDaniels is there now. So yeah, and shoot, the Raiders already got you know. Uh, Hunter Renfro, that's right. Alabama's nemesis who killed us. <laughs> Felt like he like was in the college for 20, twenty years. Wow, you ain't lying, man. I, every year I'd be like, "How's this guy still in college?" My lord, I thought you could only play for like four years, but yeah, but uh, like he was there. yeah, I think he could be kind of in that mold, maybe. Um, like you said about B. Rob, he's going to be kind of a goal line back, a kind of like a lot of these guys, like I've been saying, it's just the, the right situation, you know. If he goes to somewhere like, I don't know, the Eagles that wants to maybe just run it but out of, like, shotgun. and He, he could maybe have some set, su- success. Maybe he goes to the team uh, that, you know, their career went to the Titans. They are a I formation or under center, two tight ends. We're going to just pound it down your throat. That was a perfect situation for him. Now, if he goes to somewhere like, I don't know, the Panthers or, or you know, just these places that like to spread it out and get their running backs in space and all that stuff, um, probably he's not going to have the same type of success. But I'm excited for him. I'm, I love Brian Robertson, mainly because he stuck around Alabama. <laughs> you know, he didn't leave. He didn't, um, you know – wide whenever he wasn't getting playing time he stuck it around had a good senior year and so i hope he i wish him well i hope he does hope he does awesome in the uh in the nfl 
Yeah, I'm excited for all these guys and the local guys and everybody that, you know, has anything to do possibly getting drafted or anything. I'm just so excited for these guys. You know, they're finally getting paid, which a lot of them got paid in college this year, but they're finally getting paid on their work as when they were a child and growing up in high school and everything, the things they had to miss when they were practicing and stuff. You know, I'm just so excited for them. And we're going to roll into our next topic, and we're going to be talking about Alabama softball. Uh, my brother-in-law, Tyler's dad, B. Hay. B. Hay, I love B. Hay. I know you know who B. Hay is. Everybody, hey, shout out to you. Barry everybody loves him. He told us, hey, talk about some Alabama softball. And so we looked them up. They are legit. They're 20 and 0 and they're ranked number two in the country. Oh, yeah. And then we, we honestly probably should have talked to B. Hay to give us some more talking points because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm ashamed to say I haven't watched, well, I haven't watched any Alabama softball games this year. I haven't. I mean, I keep up with it a little bit. You know, Alabama's college sports Facebook page and Instagram and stuff like that. So I knew they were doing well, um, but I didn't know as much about them. I guess before he said that, and I started, you know, looking at some stuff. Like he said, I haven't lost any games this season. So they're definitely killing it. Then looking up the pit, you know, this pitcher they have, the ace Montana Fouts. You know, everything you read about her and then watch highlights and stuff, she is an absolute beast. Oh, Montana Fouts, she is amazing. And, you know, I I love watching softball. When it comes to the World Series times, when it's down to the Final Eight or even the, you know, the playing tournament, I love watching it. I think it's super interesting. Those girls get into it and they're, they're I mean, they're legit. And, you know, I hate that they don't, they don't really play a lot on TV during the year. I mean, maybe you can catch them a little bit on SEC Network and stuff, but I just hadn't been able to. But I know Montana Fouts, I mean, she's a beast. She was a 2021 Pitcher of the Year last year. She's a two-time All-American. This is her third year there, I believe. And I watched them last year. They played UCLA in the World Series. I think it was, you know, three teams left, and she played. And it was her birthday, and she pitched a perfect game. I mean, can you – a perfect game in the World Series? Can you imagine how good and legit – you have to be to pitch a perfect game. And, you know, they kept showing her dad up there, yeah. and he was in the crowd watching her, and you could just see the excitement and the joy in his face watching his girl out there just absolutely dominate UCLA. That's pretty impressive. Um, I forget. I, sh- I should have wrote the stat down, but it, it was the stat kind of talking about how many perfect games, how many um, no-hitters and all this stuff that she has. And, you know, she's breaking all these records. And uh, like you said, I can't – I don't know if she's a junior or a senior. Hopefully she's a junior. So, you know, maybe she'll come back a, another year. Um, but she's definitely a beast. I know, you know she could strike out a lot of baseball players. That's for dang sure. I know that. Oh, absolutely. She'd probably – she could probably go play for the Alabama baseball team and be their ace. Which, I mean, you know, they're 20-0. and 0, And it's not like they've played a bunch of cupcakes. They beat two top ten teams. They 10-run Arizona. I think they 10-run ruled them twice, and their Arizona's ranked like ninth, and they beat Virginia Tech, who's ranked like eighth. And then they beat Louisiana, not LSU, but they beat like Louisiana Lafayette, who's ranked 20. They beat them twice. So they're playing pretty decent competition, and I'm excited, and hopefully they can win it all this year. I know they won a couple years ago with the – God, what they call The J-Train. I'm pretty sure she was the pitcher a couple years ago. She could absolutely smash the ball, and she was a great pitcher. So I, I wish the Alabama softball team – all the success in the world, you know, hey, bring the Tide home another championship. Oh, yeah. Hopefully they can make a run. I'm sure they will, especially as long as they have, have Montana Fouts. Um, the last topic of the night is one that 
is bitter, bitter. I was going to say bittersweet, but not even sweet. It's something we don't like talking about, but we do. It's something that I know both of us get extremely fired up about in a good way, but then also mostly, this, especially this past week, in a bad way. And that is the Alabama basketball team. When we were texting, you know, we were talking about we should call this segment of the show the clown show or just have have it called what a joke pretty much anything negative that you can think of that's what we were thinking to call this segment uh about alabama's basketball team yeah honestly you cannot come up with enough words to describe just how mind-blowing this team is i mean how in the world Can you beat Gonzaga, Baylor, Tennessee, Arkansas, but then you get absolutely dog-walked by Texas A&M? And I'm talking about just destroyed, 87-71. to And, man, it is mind-blowing. I heard the the team didn't come out to do their interviews until like 30 minutes after they were supposed to because NATO said they were so embarrassed. Well, you know what? They should be embarrassed. It's embarrassing. When you've proven that you can beat these good teams, but yet you're playing this team that honestly is not in your category, not in your league, and you're losing, and not just losing, getting absolutely destroyed. I mean, it's uncalled for, and that's why we wanted to call it the clown show because honestly that's what it is. I I just don't – like. I I mean, (laughs) I almost don't know what to say. Like you said, Texas A&M is not a good team. I think Alabama and them have all pretty close to the same record, but Texas A&M has like the 66th strength of schedule in the country, whereas Alabama has the number one strength of schedule in this country. So it's not like Texas A&M is beating all these top teams and, and stuff like that. Texas A&M isn't a good – and it was at Alabama, where typically Alabama plays pretty well. You know, that's where they beat these top teams and, and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Um, kind of going over some of the, well, really the only stat that mattered during this game was one of the reasons they lost turnovers. So, I mean, nineteen turnovers in the game. Nineteen. You they can't. had they had seven turnovers in the first eleven minutes of the game. Seven in the first 11 minutes of the game. I mean, you'll pull your hair out just sitting there watching these guys play. They'll go on a five-minute stretch when they're, man, they're getting up and down the court. They're laying it up. They're hitting threes. They're playing great defense. And then they'll go on their next five minutes and turn the ball over every single possession. I'm talking about guys that act like they don't know how to dribble. They just get – and let me tell you, you know, me and Steven, we love sports. And I'm sure if you're listening, hopefully you love sports too, or you're just listening to listen. But they teach you in church league basketball. I used to coach a team of a bunch of third graders, third and fourth. Well, maybe it's fourth and fifth. Either way. And the first thing I told them, do not touch the ball with both hands unless you know you're about to shoot or pass. And yep. do not jump in the air unless you're shooting the ball or you know you're going to pass. That's all they do. 
they they just run and they jump in the air and then they're like, oh no, I don't know what I'm gonna do, and they just throw the ball and it gets stolen. It's just I'm like, God, come on, it's infuriating. It it really is. Other than Quinterly, Quinterly does it sometimes, but not as much. Like you said, they'll drive the lane and. They don't want to – it's like they don't want to finish, you know. At least try to draw a foul or something, but they just got to kick it back at us. Typically, it gets turned over or something like that. It's just – it's ridiculous, you know. There's really nothing good to say about this game. Uh, we mentioned the seven turnovers in the first 11 minutes of the game. Then to start the second half, A&M comes out on an 8-0 run to start the second half. Alabama, during that 8-0 run, had three turnovers. So – it's like yeah, go figure. Was, oh yeah, of course you lose. But honestly, to me, that wasn't even the worst game. They got beat by LSU, and LSU is a lot better than Texas A&M, and they only got beat eighty to seventy-seven. But let me tell you, both teams, LSU and Bama, they both played terrible. Yeah. I mean, it was a turnover fest, and for the love of everything, and this is why I say Nate Oates would rather lose playing his way than win playing a different way. He teaches them guys driving kick. Like you said, instead of driving the ball and trying to score or driving the ball and trying to get fouled, these guys drive the ball. And it doesn't matter if there's even anybody in front of them. All they're going to try to do is kick it out to a three-point and shoot the ball. It's And I, I texted you, and it, it was mind-blowing. In the second half of the game, I don't know, I didn't write down a stat, but in the second half of the game, there was 12 minutes gone in the second half. So there was eight minutes left in the game. And Alabama had attempted one two-point shot in the second half. Yep. 12 minutes had gone by, and you're telling me you've attempted one two-point shot? You cannot win playing like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, and I have wrote down right here, like you said, with, with, with eight minutes to go, they had zero two-point field goals. Now, part of that is because they weren't attempting two-point field goals. Like you said, only one, but had zero. Um, it's just – it's so – I wrote this down. And it, so we've talked about how they love jacking up threes, right? They love shooting threes, shoot threes, shoot threes, shoot threes. Well, it worked last year. It hasn't worked this year. I didn't know – I knew they weren't that as good this year, but I didn't know just how bad it was until they showed this stat during the game, the LSU game. So Alabama's eighth in the country – for attempted threes per game, eighth. But they are tied for 297th in three-point percentage. There's only 358 D1 teams. They're tied for 297th of making those shots, but yet they attempt the eighth most per game in the country. That doesn't even make any sense. Like – and I know it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse because I really do like Nate Oates. But, man, it comes to a certain point where you're like, okay, these cats cannot shoot the ball. So, hey, let's come up with a game plan of offense. They don't run any kind of offensive system. I mean, they literally don't. They don't run plays. They don't do nothing. All they do is, like I said, dribble, drive, and kick. That's all they want to do. And the only guy that can get his own shot and can dribble most of the time is Javon Quinterly. That's why I like the guy so much. And we got right here. It's all about the turnovers. They had eight turnovers in the first half. 
and then five turnovers in the first ten minutes of the second half, and they only made four field goals in that span. So they had more turnovers in the first ten minutes of the second half than they had field goal attempts. You cannot win that way. No. 21 total turnovers in the game. 40, 40 turnovers in the last two losses. 40. That's yeah, just ridiculous. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem that Nate Oates knows, knows the answer either because he, he had a comment after the A&M game on uh, the team's response after the loss, A&M loss, whatever. He says, I think the guys realized it wasn't good. Nah, duh. Why, yeah, we, why we continue to have to learn the same lesson over and over again this year is a little mind-boggling to me. We've responded well every time we've had these losses. That was after the A&M game, so obviously they didn't respond well in the LSU game. Well, it's three things. Either you're teaching them right, or they're not listening to you, or they're not able to do what you're telling them. One of those three things, and and it's okay. And give the guys a little sight. They lost a lot of people last year. They yeah. lost Herbert Jones, who's in the NBA. They lost Josh Primo, who I thought was going to come back. The guy was the twelfth pick in the draft by the San Antonio Spurs. I didn't see that coming, but he would have been huge for this team because he's a great defender oh, yeah. and super athletic and can shoot the threes. And then they lost John Petty, a guy from Alabama, who was a I think he he was an incredible three point shooter. He went yep. he had his hot and cold streaks. But they lost him, too. So, losing those three guys really, really hurt them a lot. And if they want to do anything in the SEC tournament or in the March Madness NCAA tournament, they have to protect the ball, don't turn it over, and they have to make shots. Yeah, it's it's, but it's also even they lost those guys. Well, you would think they're playing with a bunch of true freshmen on the court this year. I mean, there has to be some leadership. Shackleford. I believe is a junior. Quinterly is a, yeah. a senior. You got uh, Noah Gurley, who yeah he transferred in, but he's still a, a senior. Yeah, you know he's coming back next year due to the COVID role. He's coming yeah, back. A he's a senior. So you know they yes, JD Davidson, true freshman. Uh, Charles Bediaco, true freshman. But Keon Ellis, senior. You know they have these guys around that are upperclassmen. So it's like. What's the problem? And then speaking of upperclassmen and kind of having everybody on the same page, what in the world at the end of the LSU game? So that I'm going to say there was 12 seconds left in the game, but it was Alabama's ball and they were inbounding it. Four seconds left on the play clock, and they were in. They were trying to tie it up or win it. J.D. Davidson takes it, or no, no, no. I want to say it was Quinterly that took it. Um, they passed him out of bounds, and he passes it off to J.D. Davison. And J.D. Davison starts dribbling, running around, blah, blah, blah. Has no idea that there's only four seconds to shoot the ball. They get called for a clock violation, turn it over to, to LSU, and then, you know, that, that seals the game for them pretty much. Yeah. I'm watching the game at uh, my brother-in-law's house, John, and we're at a – my other my sister-in-law's uh bridal shower but we're watching the game and i'm like i'm like does this guy really did he just just dribble the clock out like he didn't know there was four seconds left on the clock i mean clearly got the ball off the inbounds pass and dribbled it and then dished it to him for a wide open three and instead of taking the three he just dribbles and then the clocks the shot clock's over he just throws the ball and i, I saw nate oates said that 
you know, J.D. Davison, he did not know that the shot clock was down to four seconds. The yeah. assistant coach just said that Nate Oates told every single player that. But obviously, somebody, J.D. Davidson, did not understand or what. I, I just – like, it, it bleeds into what we were saying about the leadership. How do you not know that? You've got every – that's the last couple seconds of the game. You have to make a basket. You're down one. you got to score. Every single person, you should have been there, hey, four seconds left, four seconds left, four seconds left. They had a timeout. I'm pretty sure they came out of a timeout, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe they didn't, but I'm pretty I sure. I don't think it was out of a timeout, but it was still – it was right there by the Alabama bench. Right, right, so right. Yeah, you're right. The it's ball not like it's all the way across the, the court. It's right there. Literally, they – I mean, it starts with him, obviously. He's head coach. So, it starts with him. Then the assistant coaches – uh, take some responsibility by not letting the players know. But most of them, I mean, the players on the court, the leadership, the players saying, the seniors, the juniors, the guys that have been there a couple of years saying, hey, like you said, four seconds, four seconds. So, I mean, there, there's no excuse. Everybody, you know, everybody's human. Uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody goofs and screws up. But that's a pretty big goof. Yeah, that's a – it's an unacceptable – it's a well. I'm not going to go as far as say J.R. Smith goof, but <laughs> I mean it's a goof, right? I mean, obviously he made a mistake. You know, they, they're just going to have to learn from it. And you know, I already mentioned starting this week, Thursday night, SEC tournament starts off. I'm not sure who they got. They got the. They, they want to say they got the sixth seed. They play the winner of either Vanderbilt or uh, Georgia, which should be either one of those should be. Early in the year, Georgia got their only SEC win against Alabama, and then Alabama barely beat Vanderbilt, so there's no telling if it's an easy win or not. Yeah, so Thursday they're either going to play Georgia or Vandy, and let's just assume, let's hope they can beat them, and then I'm pretty sure they got to play Tennessee, right? Uh, it's Tennessee. And Tennessee or maybe Kentucky. I think it might be Kentucky. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, you're right. It was Tennessee until they got beat by LSU. Now right. it's Kentucky. So Which, and they'll be they'll be a little shorthanded. Not that this uh, we I forgot to mention that Jay Sean Holt has been you know he was suspended. Um, I haven't I've been trying to find details on it. Um, he's a I think a sophomore guard. He comes off the bench. hadn't played a whole lot, but he did offer a little bit of depth and uh, you know, some defense when he was on the court. He wasn't much on offense, but a little bit of defense got suspended. So there's no really no details on that. So um, hopefully you know maybe he can get his act. Be available for the SEC tournament because they're definitely going to need everybody to to have a chance at, at running the and becoming back to back SEC champs. Oh, they're definitely going to need everybody. He, that guy, he's do he he gets about two air balls every game I've seen. Yeah, he I think he's like stuff. three for twenty one this yeah, season. So he's not, he's not like they're missing firepower. <laughs> no, so. that's terrible. But like we said, hopefully Bama can make a run to the SEC tournament. Hey, like I said. I hope at least they can get to the Final Four. So that means beat Georgia or Vandy, beat Kentucky. You know, that'd be good. I, if I had to put money on somebody, I'm putting it on Tennessee. They've been really hot. I think they have a good shot of winning the tournament or, you know, probably maybe Auburn. Auburn's probably got the best player in the country in yeah. Jabari Smith. But – and then after this week, we got the March Madness Begins. That's right. We'll, def- we'll definitely have to print out a bracket. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably do that next episode. Yeah, we're gonna get a, we're gonna both get a bracket. We're gonna fill it out. We're gonna tell you who to pick for your upsets. We're gonna tell you who's gonna win it all. Like I said, Hopefully. I wouldn't take nothing to say. 
don't go put any money on it because we're just average Joes. That's right. I've never had a winning bracket, so um, there's that. But, hey, we thank everybody for listening tonight or whenever you listen. Thank you so much for it continuing to listen to our show we really do appreciate it if you could remember to subscribe 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 to our channel that way you can know when we put out a new episode that would really help us out we'd really appreciate it and again we just created this email this past um this past week so if you have any questions any comments anything you'd like us to talk about we will do our best to get it in the show email us at tillman's corner sports talk um, at gmail.com. You can email us there. And like I said, anything you'd like us to talk about, and we really do appreciate it. Thank you, guys.